Welcome to Think Smart, Feel Smart, Live Smart. I'm V. Vincy, Registered Counselor, Relationship and Family Therapist and Founder of Headquarters Counselling Services. This podcast aims to break down the overwhelm of life and equip you with a toolbox of knowledge, tips and tricks to help you live your best life. This raw, real and unproduced podcast uses audio taken from my weekly live broadcast in the HQCS Community Facebook group. You can find a link to the community in the episode notes. It's free to join. Now let's get started. Hi there. I'm quickly interrupting this podcast because I have something that will interest you. Do you often feel overwhelmed by your emotions? Do you find you constantly worry, fear or assume the worst is about to happen? Are you afraid your habits or behaviour could be impacting those you love? Well, you, my friend, are not alone. Over the years, I have had so many people come to me overwhelmed by the thoughts, feelings and behaviours that have started to consume their minds. It's these people who have inspired me to develop my free Bust Your Blind Spot Bootcamp, a five-day game plan to help you kickstart internal success. It's essentially a five-day online program to get you to reset, refocus and start making positive changes in your life. So if you are serious about taking the necessary steps to finally get off the hamster wheel of life, and gain freedom from anxiety and self-sabotage, register for my free Bust Your Blind Spot Bootcamp today. Honestly, this is a game changer. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain, and the best part, it's free. Register now. You will find a link to the registration page in the show notes. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Good evening and welcome. Thank you for joining me tonight for our weekly live topic. Um, for those of you who do not know me, I am Vincy. I am a registered counsellor, relationship and family therapist and founder of Headquarters Counselling Services. Now, I help people rebuild healthy minds and lives by identifying the core behaviours that need to be addressed in order to make real lasting change occur. So, a big welcome to our new members this week, coming from all over the country and internationally who are joining us as part of the Bust Your Blind Spots Bootcamp. If you haven't jumped on board or you don't know anything about this, there will be a link in this um, topic. So click on it, have a bit of a read and get registered. Don't wait any longer. The links are in the post. Register and get to know yourself a little better, a little deeper and find a blind spot that can keep you stuck and not even know it. If you are new, then you are joining us for our weekly community get-together, delivering a range of topics for mental health well-being. You are either going to be joining me live or you're going to be watching this back. So, big welcome to you. Uh, I am totally going to get stuck into tonight's topic, but feel free to catch up uh, where we are this year. And you can do that fairly quickly by watching previous lives or listening to our podcasts um, as I give a rundown every time and you're going to get a little bit of a rundown. So we are finally out of May where things could feel a little bit like pushing shit uphill. The middle of the year is a bit like that, isn't it? If you didn't catch the topics in May, I definitely suggest you go back and have a look uh, or for our podcasters, have a listen. I had an enormous amount of contact about these topics, which focused on looking at breaking promises to ourselves. 
the polarizing world of routines and habits, uh, where I took a bit of a deep dive into the psychology of understanding, choosing and forming habits, why habits are hard to change and how to change one. However, there is more to this than just routines and habits. And this aptly leads us into June and what I have named making new pathways. So last week we began to look at patterns. There are patterns of behaviour, patterns of emotional reaction, patterns of thinking. We all have patterns. When you see a pattern, it can change your life. Recognising a pattern is like looking through a telescope for the first time. It's as if with new eyes you see things that you've never seen before. Why are patterns important to look at? Because they are the one thing that can keep us repeating the same behaviours and thinking they are normal. Now, sometimes they are, except when they're not. And they are not when repeating habits lead to trouble. Trouble we recognise and trouble we don't. So the natural consequence from repeating behaviours is accountability in some form. Um, you will be held accountable for something you have said and done when we know we probably shouldn't have said or done it. And if we keep doing it, we make these changes, it keeps happening again and again. But this becomes a problem when we don't know why things keep happening. So think back to last week's questions to look at where some of your patterns may come up. They mostly tend to come up in relationships. And in fact, it's where, as a therapist, we see patterns the most. It's also where most people don't see a pattern. They just see the same behaviours occurring with different people. They tell themselves they were unlucky or that it's just what happens to me or worse, that it was their fault. So what drives someone to keep repeating the same behaviours, even if they can see on some level that they don't work? Well, patterns keep the behaviour repeating. Beliefs are the driver and what keep us stuck doing the same thing. So beliefs are a powerful and necessary thing. They govern our societies. They govern our day-to-day -day lives to a degree, but also they govern our inner lives, our thoughts, our hopes, our plans, our relationships. So you believe that the plane will leave the runway. Yep. You believe that studying hard will lead to a better job. You believe that working hard will lead to a promotion. So some things you believe because a pattern of experience suggests that you should. Like the sun has come up every morning so far, so why should tomorrow be any different? We believe that. But there are other things that we can believe despite logic and evidence that suggests otherwise. Like the next lotto ticket you buy will be the big one. You can just feel it. We believe that. Belief is like that. Some things you believe because you just do. No one, no matter how brilliant or how educated, is immune to irrational convictions. That's believing something, even if the evidence suggests that it might not be the case. Now, why is that? Because the relationship between belief and fact often only goes one way. Our brain takes the facts and fits them to reinforce the beliefs that already, the beliefs that already exist. So it's a relationship that is both a help and a hindrance. All right? And this is why we talked about patterns last week, because we've got to look at if we do the, a pattern long enough, we're going to believe it, whether it's true or false. 
Now, that almost sounds crazy, doesn't it? Beliefs don't necessarily need to make sense to be deeply held. To look at this more closely requires an understanding of how we form emotional attachments to those beliefs. So we need to understand how our emotions play a role in our decision-making and belief processes. So our earliest beliefs begin to form long before we're really even aware of them. Our brains are designed to look for patterns which allow us to navigate through the world to survive and to reproduce. That's, that's the thing. Survive, reproduce, keep the human race going. Eventually, our dependence on a pattern becomes a belief in its power. So some of those early beliefs are formed through observation. So if you look at young children, even very young children from around six months old, they will actually understand the concept of gravity to a degree simply by you dropping a ball. We do it with kids all the time. Oh, look, and they laugh. So you drop the ball, it lands, they can see what's going to happen. If you do it enough times, they know what's coming. They believe that if you drop the ball, it will hit the ground. They have learnt that because that's what you have shown them. So if you let the ball go and the ball hovered in midair, those infants would look at it like, what the hell? The hovering ball violates the principle that they've already come to believe, that if you drop the ball, I'm going to, it's going to hit the ground and I'm going to laugh. Babies always laugh at little things like that. That's why we do it. Okay, so observation has taught them a belief in that way. Other beliefs are passed along to us from our families and communities. And these foundational ideas, they are what shape the world as we see it. So everyone will interpret a belief differently, which is why perception and your eyes will, will experience it differently. Those beliefs work their way into our most basic concept of who we are. And how's this for a fun fact? The systems in the brain that light up when we access our beliefs are the same systems that help us understand stories. So this is why beliefs, um, which this is why we believe beliefs, even if beliefs don't make sense, we make them fit with a story, okay? When your most deeply held beliefs are challenged, the parts of our brain that are responsible for protecting us kick into gear. These are the parts of the brain, like the amygdala, which tells you when to be afraid, and the insula, which is the part of your brain that triggers your gut instinct. It's that part of you that knows not to do something, or it says to you, do that, do that, otherwise you're gonna be in trouble. Or there's that part that says, don't say that, don't say that, or otherwise you're gonna be in trouble. See, it works both ways. So we have a very strong motivation to defend the values and beliefs that we have. Now, of course, not everyone, every belief is sacred or deeply held. So what determines the strength of some of our beliefs compared to others? Most of the time, it's tied to our emotions. So when you establish your beliefs, if they include emotional tags, the brain saves that information differently. So it's more accessible and impactful. So the strongest beliefs are tied to things with big emotions, like the birth of a child or a really emotional event. Like COVID actually is an event that is going to shape some beliefs because there was a lot of emotion around that and there was a lot of fear. One of the other big impactful events that shaped a generation was the 9-11 event. Now, this event shaped a generation of children who were not even born or didn't even experience the moment but they were brought up by parents 
who experienced it and now believed that danger was everywhere. Now, you can see how that has shaped some of the generation that we've got. Highly emotional events create beliefs that are almost impossible to change. Now, I said almost, not never, but I'd be bullshitting you if I said they weren't resistant and that's another reason, and there's another reason for that. We need to factor in that so much of our identity is social and so many of our social connections are founded on shared beliefs. So ultimately, people find it simpler to maintain both their established beliefs and their social circle than consider a drastic shift. They don't, they're not willing to risk both. They don't want to risk their beliefs and their friends. So they tend to adapt them to fit. We are social beings. People can say, I can't change my mind. What would my friends think of me? People would radically change their beliefs, say political or religious, for instance, if you change them, you, then you can stand to lose a lot. You can lose social relationships, jobs, romantic partners. There's a lot at stake when considering changing a belief, which is why sometimes it's a combination of both resistance and unwilling because there is fear behind it. So our tendency to cling to our beliefs may feel better than the alternative, but that doesn't mean it's in our best interest. It just feels comfortable. Our primary self-defense tactic is to remove the threat and avoid anything that might challenge our worldview, which is how so many of us end up living in a feedback loop surrounded by people who share the same opinions. So what do beliefs, negative core beliefs look like? All right, now there is a massive list on this. I'm not gonna give it to you today. What I'm gonna do is give you three main categories of negative core beliefs about the self. And you're gonna you're gonna to listen to these three and you will almost immediately know where you fit if you hold a deep core negative belief about yourself. So one of the first ones is the negative core belief about being helpless. So it's helplessness. So you will hear that in things like I can't do it. This I can't do that. I can't fix that. I need somebody to help me. Alright? The next one is unlovability. That's where somebody really believes I am not going to be loved. I'm never going to be loved. It can be rooted in abandonment issues from childhood, but there is a core belief that that person is not lovable. The next one comes in as worthlessness. You'll see this a lot. There are a lot of people who feel they don't deserve to be happy or I don't deserve that. These, some of these people are some of our most compassionate people because what they do is they give up themselves for others because they don't believe that they deserve the same compassion that they show. Now, the beliefs that fall into the helpless category are related to personal incompetence, vulnerability and feeling inferior. Unlovability related core beliefs include the fear that we are not likeable and incapable of being close or intimate with something with someone. So while worthlessness, um, those beliefs include things like being insignificant or not important and a burden to others. So there are various strategies for dealing with negative core beliefs. The first is seriously simple. Just becoming more aware of them can alter your perception. So becoming aware of a thought can help bring them to the forefront. This is why journaling is a big part of therapy. 
The second is understanding where they come from. When did we first think that about ourselves, the world or others in a particular way? Which experiences contributed to shaping those beliefs? Who in our family holds similar opinions? The third includes challenging the beliefs. Now, this is where a therapist comes in. In fact, a therapist can come in handy in stages two and three, all right? And that includes a deliberate attempt at thought restructuring. So it's identifying the, the distortion or the, the faulty loop or the faulty thought that's playing uh, in our ads, which is a psych slang for automatic negative thoughts. They can then help you look at any evidence that contradicts those beliefs to see if they are still serving you. And that's the important thing. If your beliefs are not serving you, we need to change them because they are not helping. They are now hindering. A therapist can then patiently hold space for you until you can accept that they no longer serve you and you can let them go. No one can force you to let your beliefs go. They just have to help you understand that it's for your best interest, but you've got to actually believe that. Otherwise, I'm just telling you to do something. You're either going to do it or you're not. It's not going to help you, me. It's not going to help you. If our core beliefs are positive and helpful, take no further action. I want you to keep all the good shit. That's great. If they are not, we must seek to transform them because core beliefs that are limiting are the root cause of low self-esteem. They, they shape how we treat ourselves. They shape how we treat others and how, even how others treat us. So they set the rules by which we live and the tone of our self-talk. Nothing seems more urgent than working on core beliefs if they prevent us from thriving in our lives. They are the root cause of most of our psychological problems, determining our self-image, our cognitions and our thoughts, our beliefs about the world, our beliefs about others and our own personal rules. They make us see everything through a glass darkly. It's like putting a little bit of a tint over everything. They generate and shape almost all of our automatic negative thoughts. Now, there are hundreds of little beliefs rolling around and there are hundreds of automatic negative thoughts and there's even hundreds of just thoughts. They're just little beliefs tucked away in your head. Research tells us that you don't necessarily need to interrogate every single one of them. Praying that the plane is going to land safely probably doesn't change anything, but what's the harm? It helps you believe that the plane is going to land safely. If holding on to hope that winning the lottery is the solution that brings you comfort, knock yourself out. It's not going to be a deal breaker to believe something like that. If you don't have some beliefs, you just won't get through the world. These are rituals and beliefs are really reinforcing. They, they're really nice and there's something beautiful and distinctly human about them. They can help you calm. It's looking at when the experiences do not align with your core beliefs. Your mind will twist them until they do and it leaves you misaligned. It leaves you not feeling like you fit or not liking who you are, or not liking where you are. So ask yourself, are my experiences what I want to be happening? If not, 
then you do need to challenge what you believe to see if it is helping or hindering. And this brings me nicely back to bust your blind spots. Go and register because one of the areas we look at, we look at a few things over those five days. So they're one hour sessions each day for five days. And it primarily looks at finding a blind spot. Now, you're going to go, well, what's a blind spot? I don't think I've got any blind spots. That's the point. You don't know. I don't know if you've got a blind spot. It's about challenging and looking to see, do you have a blind spot that is stopping you from seeing something that creates a problem? Okay, have a think about it. We are skipping next Wednesday's live and I will jump for two weeks and um, I'll see you then. Thanks, guys.